This is the 108 Bricks Podcast. My name is Dylan Buckwhites. How's it going, folks? Curtis Koch here. And we're back. Another two-week check-in with the Cubs. It's kind of funny because I think things got a little better and maybe a little worse, but the Cubs are in the worst position than they were than our last recording. Um, So I would say it's definitely worse. Um, We had concerns about the hitting, obviously. Um, to begin the season, and I don't think things have really gotten much better along those lines um, with the team as they now are in the middle of that stretch of tough baseball games as we are currently recording right before game two of the doubleheader versus the Dodgers. But as it currently sits, the Cubs are now in second to last in front of the Pirates, who are basically a triple-A ball club. Um, and right behind the Reds, who have surprisingly been playing some decent baseball um, after uh, their Dodgers series. They played against the Dodgers, played well, and maybe the Cubs can pick it up with that as well. But um, kicking things off, I don't think the Cubs are in the position they wanted to be um, after the first month of games along those lines, um, especially in an NL Central that is a bit spicy right now in terms of teams and, and their performances to start out the year um obviously below 500 is not where you want to be along those lines um and being already four games out it's going to be work to to catch up and put themselves in a playoff contention spot come the trade deadline where a lot of decisions are going to have to be made and on top of that too um it it helps when your superstar is playing like a superstar in Chris Bryant. And uh, he was the NL player of the week last week. Very much well-deserved. He's just been tearing the cover off the ball. His double in game one against the Dodgers is was like 106 miles an hour or whatever off the bat, which was just like an indication that he's not only just hitting the ball and seeing the ball well, he is hitting the ball hard. Big yeah. emphasis on the hard. And it's a good sight to see because this is the Chris Bryant that we wish we would have seen the last two, three years after his World Series and MVP season. Um, granted, it's it's just more of a of unfortunate timing that, of course, this comes during his contract year when he's trying to make a big, big cash-in payday and him playing at an MVP level while the Cubs are sinking in some retrospects. Um, it's good for Chris Bryant, but it's it makes it a much more tougher decision for the Cubs and makes it a much more tougher bargaining for the Cubs because, you know, if the Cubs would have seen Chris Bryant hitting, you know, 225 at the end of the year, you know, you can go in with a relatively decent offer, but Chris Bryant hitting the way he is right now, I, I, there, there's just no way of else of putting it that he is just on fire. He's been the Cubs best player this year. And uh, while he's been the one that's been keeping the team afloat, uh, other guys just haven't quite stepped up yet. And that's been, the biggest frustrating part for the season so far in my eyes has been the lack of contributions from guys like Javi Baez and Jock Peterson and, you know, all these others that we have seen before, but it hasn't quite come into uh, view yet. But then you go ahead and see John Lester pitching for the nationals. You see uh, Kyle Schwarber hitting pretty decently and Albert I, not very decently. I think the last time I looked, which was a few days ago, I think he's bad in like 140. Oh, the nationals. Okay. Well, um, that Kyle Schwarber's make he he has granted he has two walk off home runs so it, it hurts when you see something like that um, but it 
it's not ideal um, for it currently, just because. Um, yeah, he he's he's still Kyle Schwarber uh, at the end of the day, and taking a look as well, he has improved. He's batting two hundred um, in twenty or in seventeen games played, and about seventy one played appearances. So not a ton, but mm-hmm. still not great. Um, if if you're really looking at it compared to Jock, who's actually batting one thirty seven uh, in sixty one played appearances currently. Yeah. So there's room to improve. He's got 10 at-bats to bring that average up and, and potentially be back on pace. And if we're, if we're really starting to nitpick who won that trade, or not the trade, but technically who won the uh, signings of who to keep along those lines. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it still doesn't make up for the fact that the Cubs offense has been struggling. Um, Chris Bryant, as you mentioned, is really the only one um, stepping up to hit there. Um, Wilson for a little bit was hitting pretty well, still pretty good on the slugging side of things. Um, right behind Bryant, who really looks like he's slowly getting back. No, not slowly is back in his potential all-star and MVP form, um, along those lines. And it's going to suck because right now, if you ask me and if the Cubs continue on this current trend is we're going to be seeing a trade, um, it's starting to look more and more and more likely that Chris Bryant in a uniform that is not the Chicago Cubs um, is likely along those lines. Um, And I think it's going to not be fun when that potential trade happens. Um, Let me just put it good for the good for the Cubs because they'll probably get a haul for a potential rebuild, but it's like, where's, where's your future if you let a guy like that go? I understand that, but I think it's still, a little bit too early to go ahead and just say that it's just time to blow it up. Um, I can understand thinking that way this earlier on in the season, but the team still has 130 plus games left to go. Um, I know we've talked about in the past about how the offense has been, you know, very iffy and the pitching right now doesn't look too good, but baseball is a weird game. And if you can all of a sudden get hot at the right time um, down the stretch, you know, who knows? I'm not discounting the fact that it's right now leaning towards that direction where the Cubs are possibly going to be sellers at the deadline because they know that they just can't afford to keep Chris Bryant for whatever reason. And for, you know, we've talked about, you know, numerous times ownership and this financial situation and whatnot. And we're not going to go back into that here, but at the end of the day, it just seems to me that it's still, and at least for my eyes, it's still a little bit too early. I would like to see, what happens until the end of the month. And then once June rolls around, you know, once the all-star break kind of comes around, then sure. Then you, then you go ahead and maybe start looking at, you know, what sort of uh, scenarios and uh, teams that are going to be looking into getting a bat at the deadline. And right now um, we might see a, a 2.0 version of, uh, of a, of a trade um, with uh, a team on the South side. Um, Cause they just lost Luis Robert. So they need an outfielder, and Chris Bryant maybe would play in the outfield because you got Yohan Boy, Mankata be at third base. Put Chris Bryant at, at uh, guaranteed rate field, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, guaranteed rate field, and uh, that's going to look like an interesting piece there. And the Cubs have every right to ask for as much as they want back, and uh, I, I think that's a totally plausible, fair, trade. plausible option. Yeah, I, I don't see I don't anything think, different there. I think they're going to find their replacements sooner 
than that. And, and and maybe those replacements don't work out. And again, it might be a, a looking way too early um, type of thing with it. Um, I'm just speaking in just in terms of, I, I guess, my own sort of thoughts and, and opinions on where the team is trending and, and what's going to happen for it. Um, it's tough, though, because this team was... I don't know. I, I and I don't know how I want to hear how you feel about this, Curtis, because I feel like to me this team was pitched to us as a team that was here to compete. Um we kind of had our expectations grounded a bit when Jed took over and he was saying along the line that there was a lot of budget talk and how they couldn't get the guys they needed to get, and then we traded away you Darvish. Um, and, and it was like, all right, well, we might be around like this, this 500 ball club and do like a soft rebuild and get these guys ready to go for the year. And then they said the budget increased again. And we started to see some bigger name signings. Um, Jack Peterson came along, um, uh, who else? Trevor Williams, um, was signed and they were putting, they started putting some more money into the team. Um, and, and the Jake Arietta as well, another one of those names and, their their expectation and and their hope for this was to build a team that can compete and build a team that could potentially win the NL Central or at least at the very least get a wild card spot and make a, and try to make a miracle run from there um and and less of a soft rebuild more of a competing type of year and i don't think we've seen that from the the players we have right now and that's a bit concerning for me it's cuz where where do you go from here at this point um do you stick with these guys for the rest of the year do do you think they have what it takes to win the the division what are your potential trade ideas and this might be me thinking way too far ahead of it but we've got a full month of baseball in um I feel like there's been more than enough games for some of these guys to get out of their their slumps or work out some of the issues that we've been seeing with it especially players um who we've seen have these issues in the past in terms of consistency um with that and so it's like sooner or later you got to understand what the team is that you have in front of you and stop trying to promote it elsewise and i feel like the cubs are still trying to potentially promote a team that they just don't have well i i would i'll defend the cubs in this and saying how else are you supposed to market your team you know what I mean? Fair. They, they they can't just go out and say, "Hey, we might make the wild card." Like, no, they have to yeah. verbally come out and say, "We're here to win a World Series." Like, it, it would be a totally <laughs> different scenario, and a, a, frankly, a very bad management move if they just decided to say, "Yeah, you know, we're we're gonna try. We'll we'll hopefully True. get a participation trophy, but we, we'll try." But I mean, the way I view it is this: is like everybody gets so caught up myself included. I'm, I'm the, the biggest hypocrite of this. Everybody gets caught up in the moment of baseball. Cause baseball is a very much a, what have you done for me lately sort of game. And granted there, there are business decisions to be made of this, but if you're the Cubs and if you have, if, if come by the all-star break, if you all of a sudden go ahead and look at this team and say, you know what, it's, it's time to, to go off and sell it. Can you imagine if the um, Washington Nationals did that in the year when they were near the bottom of the division and mid to low tier of baseball, and they had a, a great second half and went on to win the World Series. I mean, th- that was a team that came out of nowhere 
and they had the pitching to do it. Granted, the Cubs have some pieces missing that comparing those two teams is a little bit different. But the point being, though, is is that it, it is a marathon. It, you the the Hawks really have to, or Hawks, excuse me, the the Cubs really <laughs> have to pace themselves here because I I just don't think that saying on May fourth, May the fourth be with you, uh, that the the Cubs are all of a sudden just going to blow this up. I just find it a little bit hard to jump on that train at this point because right now, as you stand, it's literally been what just over a month of the baseball season. The team has played what 25 to 30 ish games so far. There's still a lot of games left. You have, you haven't even hit a third of your season yet. So for me, I just can't go and I just can't sit here and say that it's, it's, enjoy watching Chris Bryant while you can, because this is the last you're going to see him. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I, I, I genuinely think that if you're, if you're a baseball fan and if you're a Cubs fan, you're hoping that the team plays well enough to, um, to get into, you know, the playoffs and you hopefully get to see one last run. But I just don't think that in reality, you still have to kind of take a step back and look at the team and say, on paper, do you expect them to, go deep in the playoffs. And honestly, I just don't think that yet. I, I think there's still a lot of stuff this team needs to improve on. Um, granted, they, they kind of made the direction that they wanted to go with the U Darvish trade. And and we've mentioned that I feel like the last few episodes here of how essentially just kind of demoralizing for a Cubs fan standpoint, besides the fact that Darvish would be pitching well, you realize just how much of a, of a, in the moment right now, a bad move that was because of how much the Cubs are really struggling on multiple sides of, of the ball. And if you had a guy like you Darvish in there to at least kind of have some, some nerves because Kyle Hendricks has been very much struggling, not so much now with his recent start against the Dodgers, but with his struggles early around in the year against the Braves, especially, um, I mean, the Cubs just lost three or four against the Braves. So I'm not thinking that they're going to go very far if they can't go against a team that was in the National League Championship Series last year. And they're playing the Dodgers this coming week as we're recording this. Um, I think you just have to be realistic. Are the Cubs a, a playoff team? I still think so. I think they're a wild card team, at least. But I don't think that if you're in management position, you're sitting here thinking to yourself, you know, how do we market this team that we can win a world series when we're not um they might be thinking of that a little bit but i just don't think that if you're um trying to pitch it to the fan base if you're going to market that sort of vibe to the fan base the fans are going to you know feel that you got to react in you know market your team as if you feel like you're going to win the world series and fans aren't stupid if they see a team that's really struggling they're not going to come to games for it even in a in a covid um shortened capacity you know, baseball season. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this from a, from a season ticket holders perspective, it's been very tough to resell tickets. I thought the market was going to be like super hot. Cause people are going to want to go back to baseball games again, but truth people is, know that this, but the, yeah, the truth is, is that people know that this team <laughs> sucks and they don't want to go see it. Especially when it's like 50 degrees and, and raining or, yeah. or it's still, it's still cold. Like lo and behold, it's still hard to get someone to go to a baseball game in, in the cold. Yeah. Um, myself included like it it's it's hard especially if you have a baseball game that lasts three and a half hours or more like mm -hmm. 
you're not sticking that out. There's no way you're staying there for that long. And the, and, and the Cubs playing against the Dodgers this weekend had just I, I read um, Patrick Mooney's um, column today in the Athletic. And the headline is exactly right, that the Cubs will always have the 2016 season as, like, you know, the best in the franchise history. But the Dodgers are the team that everyone has expected the Cubs to be year in and year out, competing, having the best players, not running into, quote-unquote, financial struggles, you know, having the support and backing of owners that are willing to, you know, go ahead and eat some of that money and, you know, a fan base that wants to win year after year and a, a team that for really three years was near the top of baseball. And the last few years they've d- dipped out of that a little bit. Um, so the, the, right now the Dodgers are the, are the role model that Cubs fans were hoping that this team would be and still be at this point, but they're just not, they just haven't been able to sustain success. And I think there are a few reasons that you could point out to, why they haven't done that. I think the biggest one has been the, the development of pitching prospects. And the development of their hitting players as well. Well, right? I like, wouldn't I wouldn't say that because a lot I don't of know. Their... I think there's still there's habits Wilson Contreras gets into that, that ruin his at bats and lowers his his average. We're still there there's habits Javi has been in that, well, that have then... lowered his average. There's there's even hitting habits Hap has has been in that 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 has been the same we've seen okay, but how many, pretty how consistent many... averages for some of these guys who they've been touting as like really good players for a very long time. And their, their offense just hasn't developed into what it should be. Okay. But how many hitting coaches have the, of the Cubs gone through since 2016? Three, Too many. Four? And, and my... again, so it's like, when, when do you start coming with the fact that it was like, is the hitting coach the problem or is it potentially the players? Cause it's like, how many guys can you keep having help them? And and maybe that could be the problem is there, there are too many hitting coaches. They're trying to do too much for something and may, maybe they need to simplify it. But sooner or later, you got to realize is like, this is the capacity of the player. They're not going to change. They're not going to, it may not grow from there. Um, and, and obviously that's the tough part about baseball and, and me not being someone who's directly informed on it is uh, take it as you wish and take it with a grain of salt. But it's like, we traded away and we we let Albert Almora go because he was a guy who had a golden glove who can play the outfield with the expectation that his bat would start coming around. And that, and that obviously d- didn't happen. That was, a, that was a draft pick that was kind of thrown away on along those lines. Wilson Contreras was a guy who should be slugging harder than he is with, a, with a slightly better average, um, along those lines and and that's not turning out the way it is and same deal with a guy like ian happ who should be a better guy who was coming in as that versatile player who can play the outfield and and be a switch hitter um and we even saw it before like his before he had his breakout quote-unquote breakout year last year in 2020 he got sent down to triple a because of his performance he wasn't he wasn't even a player that played a full season with that and yes he did have a solid 2020 but we're starting to see that strikeout rate go up. He's slugging a lot less. He, yes, he, he is hitting the ball hard and getting a bit unlucky. And I'm sure we can see things turn around um, with it, but we're seeing the old tendencies there. Javi is back at the plate. He got his replay back on the bench. He's still swinging at, at, at outside breaking balls. He He's still swinging off his shoes. Sometimes at pitches that shouldn't be there. He has one of the worst walk rates in all of baseball currently one and one of the highest strikeout rates it's like how much longer can you keep going with that year after year after year after year before you realize it's like this is the type of guy you got does this guy fit into the program and does he work with the offense that you have 
And I think that's the questions the Cubs need to start asking themselves because sooner or later, you got to stop operating off the what ifs and you got to start working with what you got. And sometimes I think we can get caught up in the what ifs just to stay hopeful with it. Because yes, on paper, the Cubs team still is, has a good chunk of that 2016 world championship team on there. But a lot of the times that 2016 team might have just been some of these players primes. And and that might be the way the cookie crumbles for it. But sometimes you get us got to say like, these are the players you got. This is what they're going to perform at. Some guys may be good at times and and some may others, but in the end, like this is what it's going to turn out to. And I feel like I keep seeing the same things from these players over and over again to be like, all right, this is what they have. Does this actually fit in with what the Cubs need? See, I, I would, I would agree with that, but I also would still say that I think that if you're constantly, how do I want to word this? If if you constantly are running into, um, running into issues on different fronts, you know, I, I don't think that it's fair to go ahead and say that, you know, that the the development and you know, I I feel like the hitting thing hasn't been much of an issue, but the pitching has been the one thing that I know has frustrated me has been the, the lack of development from the Cubs on that front. Uh, I, I just feel that you look at some of the best teams who have d- drafted and developed prospects, and they always seem to have the constant you know, backup of getting younger and cheaper pitching. And the Cubs had been known to spend a lot of money, not only on just some of their positional players, but the pitching was a big thing. And you can't develop any of the young pitchers in your staff that to keep, you know, the window of opportunity to win a world series open. Um, the only one that I would say has had a, a quote unquote, you know, a little bit of a, an exception to that rule has really kind of been Dylan cease who got traded of course to the white Sox, and he hasn't quite figured it out yet. Um, but he came over and he said, you know, the white Sox when, when they asked him, you know, can you, do you want to do this? Do you want to learn a changeup and that sort of thing that the Cubs, are, the Cubs philosophy was like, no, stay away from learning a changeup or a curveball or whatever. And next thing you know, he's learning how to do stuff and become a better pitcher because that's what he wants to do. But the Cubs have per, like seemingly put limitations on that sort of thing. And I just think if you're, if you're going to try to consistently win a world series every single year, why are you putting barriers around players that are wanting to get better and by just learning a new pitch what's what's so wrong about learning a changeup or learning a different breaking ball um it's it's interesting because i think i i it's funny because i think their pitching problem stems from the hitting problem essentially with it because the cubs were a team when especially when theo came in and, and took over they were a team that kind of went along the lines of a develop the offense by the pitching. Um, You look at their first round draft picks and some of the players that have come through along those lines, you have Javier Baez, Albert Almora, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ, Nico Horner, and even most recently in 2020, their first round draft pick, Ed Howard, a shortstop. Like their mindset and development has always been on their their offensive minded players um and positional players specifically for that line um and you're not going to draft pitchers for hitting but um 
along those lines is like they they settle those like all right we'll get these we'll get this young offensive minded position player team from the draft and we'll go out and buy our pitching from there i think that's why we saw a guy like Dylan Dylan Cease get let go and yes there are a lot of problems internally with the, there seem to be at least with how pitching got developed and obviously we see that now but it's not like they're also going out and and really looking for that right they're not drafting their first round pitchers accordingly and, and we've seen a few of it recently with it um they drafted a pitcher in 2019 and, and a different pitcher in in 2017 right after the world series but this was after they've kind of loaded up that offense um accordingly and they're always it always seems like they were going to go look for outside sources and and it, it almost was even confirmed when they went out and they signed you darvish to this big contract they traded for kyle hendricks to bring him in they they went outside for guys like lester and um i'm forgetting the name of the the other person right off the bat but you all of their pitching and all of their top guys that they got were all signed from the outside and you notice now like obviously the pitching is down and and not performing as up to par of what it should have been but you don't have a single developed pitcher with that and so now you have an issue with you're supposed to be paying or you're supposed to be developing this hitting and the hitting isn't developing. So you might need to go out and buy that, but now you're completely out of money for pitching, which you also can't buy and you have no pitchers in your system. So it's like, what are you going to do at this point? Um, And I think it's just kind of the way it worked out in the end, but it's like, there were almost, this is like a worst case scenario with what the plan of action was going to be is like, if you're going to develop all these position guys and draft all these young players and then go out and buy pitching, but now you suddenly have to buy hitting as well. What are you going to do? And, and I think that's kind of where we're at potentially with this Cubs team, depending on what plays out for the rest of the season. I will say this though. And, and this goes back to uh, Patrick Mooney's um, article in the athletic today. I, on all fronts, though, there I, I think we give the Cubs a lot of credit for, you know, their their drafting and, and development of you know all their you know big name prospects are on the on the roster right now. But here's just an example of specifically of how the Cubs and Dodgers are just different, and I think it kind of goes down to just a, a minor league philosophy sort of thing because 12 players from the Dodgers 2016 draft class have reached the big leagues, though not all of them have done it with the Dodgers or made a meaningful contribution to this point. The Cubs did not pick until number 104 that year because they signed Jason Hayward and John Lackey. Three players from that draft class have gotten the call-up at some point. Tyson Miller, Thomas Hatch um, going to Toronto uh, when he was traded for David Phelps, and Zach Short, who was traded for De- to Detroit for the Cameron Mabin deal last summer. The Dodgers had a homegrown pitcher start in each of their 18 playoff games last year. The Cubs did not have a homegrown pitcher throw a single pitch during any of their 10 playoff series between 2010 and two, two, or excuse me, between 2015 and 2020. Yep. <laughs> so there's just a, a lot of lackluster. But yeah, and like it comes out like they haven't they haven't drafted any pitching, and like it's all all of the efforts and all the development has really been put into those position players and and put into the hitting, and now that's not working either. And now you have a very interesting situation um, to where it's like, well, what do you what what is the next step? Where does the rebuild? Well, not I I don't I don't want to go as far as to rebuild, but it's like, what's the next steps for this team? Um, and I think we say that almost every time is like, there's still a lot of difficult decisions to be made 
and I don't, and we don't know what the right answer is. We only know that right now the Cubs aren't looking so hot. There's still room to turn it around, but we really are walking a fine line um, in terms of complete success and absolute failure. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of, I think, where a lot of the worry and a lot of the, the anxiety comes from because we've seen what this team can do, but we also have seen what this team can't do. Um, and the latter spooks a lot of us, um, especially because we, we were told that this wasn't going to happen. And now it's happening. And you look to a team like the Dodgers where that's that was like that's the gold standard that's what you want you want to have a constant flow of guys to where if you lose a big name you can replace them and you can have that system to always be fueling talent and and getting guys in there and then also still have the money to go out and make a big signing go out and get a guy like trevor bauer and we we almost thought that was the what the cubs are doing they 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 had a lot of good guys and they had budget issues but guess what they still went out and put a huge contract for you darvish and then two years later we traded it away and so now we're thinking like, whoa, like, what is this? We were told we were going to be competing and you just traded away our ace. Like, yeah, what? I, I think I think the big thing is, is that the window doesn't have the window of, of you know, uh, of a World Series championship. It, it doesn't have to just slam shut by trading away all these guys at the deadline. I mean, Jed Hoyer knew what he was getting into when he took over for Theo. Um, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, scouts and coaches and stuff that are in the Cubs organization that helped them build to where they are. But the the problem is, is that there's a little bit of an unclear degree about, you know, how much flexibility there is when it comes to making these roster moves in the future, whether it be a financial status or um, a performance status or, you know, whatever. I will say this though. I don't think that the Cubs are going to be an easy sell if they're going to be trading away, you know, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo to, to guys down the road. Cause if there are a lot of young players who want to make a big splash, I don't think they want to come to the Cubs. You know, they want to come to play and, and win. They don't want to come and be a part of a, of a rebuild at some point. And I think the Cubs know that. And I think if you're the Cubs, you, you don't want to go ahead and market. This goes back to what your question was earlier, Dylan. You don't want to go ahead and market the team as a half-ass sort of style. You want to at least show some sort of, of, future competitive fire yeah competitive <laughs> fire exactly and you know i are the cubs are a destination team i would i would still think so but if you're gonna blow it up at the at the deadline i just don't think that's gonna say that we're a we're a competitive team and then what makes it even worse is that if you do go ahead and blow it up at the deadline and you tell your fan base we expect to be competitive this year it just looks really poorly on on the management in the front office and then you're going to have fans kind of up in arms asking, you know, what what the hell, <laughs> you know? And they're going to yeah. look back at the U Darvish trade. They're going to look back on bad free agent signings. They're going to look back on the everything we had just talked about in the last 30-ish minutes or so, whatever, of recording and be arms up in the air and, you know, what the heck. And I wouldn't be surprised if ticket sales drop. I don't think necessarily. Bad, in- trades, are, bad trades and bad signings are only bad if they don't work. And I know how dumb that sounds, but it's like people aren't people weren't going to look back and judge how bad of a trade it was when the Cubs went out and got Aroldis Chapman from uh, the Yankees at the time or even the trade um, for Jose Quintana at the time if it didn't work out poorly for the Cubs. Right. Like 
people are saying, oh, it might have a chance to look bad. But I think like the Chapman trade, they're going to say, cool, traded for a World Series. Totally fine. The Quintana trade, not at all. That's a total loss for it. But like every move that gets made is going to be under a microscope now because people are really going to be needing those those moves to succeed. And if they succeed, everyone's going to forget about it. If it fails, everyone's going to blow up and look at those very closely to wonder why in the world it happened. Yeah. Oh, just it, welcome to welcome to 2021 cubs baseball <laughs> ladies and gentlemen but all is not bad the cubs just won their first game against the dodgers game two just got underway you'll probably know the outcome of this one we're recording so hopefully it ends well for us but it was another one of those ones where the cubs offense decided it was going to play um which is kind of funny along the lines. And it's kind of interesting too, because they they're playing with a little bit of a beat up team Um, kind of out of nowhere this morning, a um, injured list report came out with a lot more names than we expected on it. Um, To be honest, Um, obviously some big names. There was Nico Horner to the 10 day IL and uh, Dan Winker as well to the 10 day IL, both with, what they're describing is minor injuries. I think um, it was like something with Nico's arm as well as Dan uh, Winker as well. And they both expect to make quick recoveries. I think they were even saying that Horner would be ready to be activated at the first chance he can from it. Um, but obviously roster space is an issue. Um, and Jack Peterson just came off. So they need a roster spot. So Nico goes on there to recover for the time being um, along those lines. But for a team that already is struggling, injuries is honestly the last thing they they need on their plate. Yeah. Injuries suck. It is a part of the baseball season, um, unfortunately, but they do suck. Um <laughs> I, I just it's it is kind of um cub ish to have all these injuries on top of the struggles across the board that they're already having. The big one though to me was the Jake Arietta injury. That really puts a hole in your in your rotation you know, for the next, you know, little while of games. Um, I like how I totally missed that. Oops. <laughs> I yeah, forgot but... <laughs> that he was part of that list as well. So they, two yeah, pitchers so went down. That sucks. Um, there is some other news that came out around the league and around the Cubs team as a whole. And that was uh, Amir Garrett and his uh, uh, actions against the Cubs in the series against the Reds. Um, this wasn't the first time a, a dust up between the two teams, especially, centered around Amir Garrett, Garrett and Javier Baez. They, yeah, they got some beef. Javi uh, Rizzo the first time when uh, Garrett struck out Javi Garrett went, you know, it was yapping at Javi and Javi was kind of like, you know, what are you saying to me? And then Rizzo's the first one out of the bench to, to back up Javi. And then Garrett does it against Rizzo this time. And Javi's the first one out of the bench. So Javi got fined. Um, I would assume that he got fined for uh, sticking up, sticking up the middle finger on camera. <laughs> <laughs> and everything but Garrett got a seven game suspension for uh causing a, in a benches clearing incident um that itself is uh you know pretty um you know interesting that inciting a benches clearing incident was the reasoning for that I'm assuming that he's going to get um a little bit of a, a, a appeal to that and maybe have it knocked down to five games but with him being a reliever it just basically means that he's going to miss you know, essentially one or two outings um, out of that whole thing, which really doesn't do much, you know, for them there. I think but. it was seven just because he's someone who constantly does this. Um, you've seen him, him start. He started the the brawl 
between the pirates um, and, and obviously many different uh, altercations between him and the Cubs along those lines. And I think it's kind of MLB just saying like, hey, you got to stop this accordingly. I, I find it interesting that Javi didn't get a suspension given that he like Rizzo was walking away and was just like, whatever, man, I'm done with this. And, and Javi was the one who came flying out of the dugout, rushing the mound, um, which in terms of what side you're looking at it on could also be seen as a aggressor move um, and also seen as a benches clearing altercation um, along those lines. And so there seems to be like a consistency issue across that because it, it it doesn't make sense how one player gets suspended. The other doesn't when like they both technically would be on an even playing field. The beef was between those two. Everyone else kind of joined in on the matter. And so why not just dish out punishments equally? And like, obviously if there was more to be done with it, but Rizzo seemed done with it. And like, obviously there's, there's issues with the taunting and, and, and whatnot. And MLB's walking a fine line to figure out how to lay down standards for stuff like this. I'm all for just going with hockey and letting two players beef it out and just go at it until they're done. Get them off the field, hand out a suspension, and call it a day. But um, here's here's my thing. obviously when when a whole bunch clears, you don't you don't want like 30 guys punching each other. So uh, that that probably won't happen. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where this appeal goes and what happens with it. But it's going to be a they have MLB has a chance to sort of lay down the guidelines of what can and what is and what is not acceptable in terms of celebrations and like letting the kids play and the emotions that get shown and what's happening during games. And I'm not really sure what's going to happen from there. Yeah. I, I will say this. I don't have a problem with the seven game suspension just because he, he has a history. You saw, you just mentioned the pirates incident. He's got the two incidents against the Cubs it's it's basically baseball just getting in line and saying, hey, like, you know, knock it off, essentially. Um, seven games, I think, is an okay number. Um, I think it was a little hefty, but I think for a reliever, you have to, yes. For a reliever, yes, but I think you have to purposefully make it hefty because you have to you have to set the bar somewhere. And if you're trying to prevent benches clearing incidents and, you know, fights and injuries and stuff like that to happen, you have to set the bar somewhere. And I think that was just the, the ultimate sort of, um, situation for that uh, for that thing here. I will say this though, um, I I don't have a problem with Javi getting fined um, because of how he came out of the dugout. But I'm I was actually you know more surprised that baseball didn't give out more fines because there were a couple of guys on both sides of the team that were acting you know rather you know aggre- not aggressive but just being a little bit of a nuisance and uh, uh, causing a little bit more commotion than what it had to be. It was put away pretty quickly, but um, if you're these two teams and, and they play together later on in the month, by the way, um, it, it's, it's got to at least they play you know, each other a lot. They're in the same division. So yeah. And I, obviously there's a little bit of history there because of, you know, of how the, the, how the reds are doing and everything like that. But you know what? The one thing is too, is that Garrett wasn't even having that great of a year. <laughs> No, he's for bad. You to be, for you to be he's pimping bad. yourself like that and <laughs> acting like a complete sorry, part of my French here for acting like a complete dumbass, you, you don't have to to do that. You don't have to act up that way. Um, and the other thing is too is that you were down by a run. So if you get tossed, you're hurting your team more because now they got to bring in a cold guy from the bullpen, and that could have opened the floodgates to a potential rally for the Cubs. Which I mean, I wouldn't have been complaining, but the overall 
census there is that you you just gotta you know you gotta be a little bit smarter than that if you're uh if you're amir garrett there but um the one thing i will say we talked about the injuries and nico horner you know getting hurt dylan i will say this though nico coming into the lineup has been in my opinion super enjoyable i i just love the fact that he's he's not a power threat but he he's a contact guy he gets on base um i i just have loved what he has brought to the table for this team um and i think he should be in the lineup every day to be honest with you i don't know how you feel about it but um i I just think in general that nico horner should be playing every day and the let's put it this way to the adjustments he made has been very noteworthy very very noteworthy i i loved what i've seen so far it was funny as like he was even a player that we wondered why he wasn't there to begin with, well, we like, kind of why, assumed that it was the whole player, the surface time, yeah, yeah the surface blah, time, blah, 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 politics of baseball, whatnot, business of baseball, whatever you want to call it, that yeah. nonsense. And obviously, you say what you wish about that. It was, I, I, he should be, he should have been on the opening day roster, and I think he's uh, obviously shown that he can still be on the roster and mm-hmm. should still be on the roster. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because. The when he comes off the injured list, is like, what are you going to do? You don't have a spot open. Sogard may be the only guy, the odd one out in that situation. Um, so I don't know. And you lose a you lose another bat and another good defensive replacement for that. But how uh, how much longer? What what do you do? Does he come back and then you demote him back down to triple A? Like, I don't think the Cubs can do that. Um, yeah. So it's just. It, it's going to be a little tricky spot and I think they'll, they'll figure it out one way or another um, at the end of the day with it, but there's still a lot to know and there's still a lot to see when it comes to this team um, when we get through the rest of the year um, and, and what's going to happen so far. And I don't know, their schedules not looking too bad. We have the, the Dodgers right now. They need to, they need to come out and with a strong performance with the pirates coming up. That's, that's going to be a big one right there. You can't, you can't lose games to a team. That's just, you know, you're better than, and, and the tigers. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of time here for them to win games. They should be winning and, and gain some confidence down the line with it um because then you're going to come into the cardinals and then you get the pirates again and and then the rematch comes in with the reds um and then then you have a pretty tough stretch coming up um may may should may in theory should be a good month for the cubs based on the strength of schedule um and that hopefully can help build some confidence because june is looking spicy Uh, (laughs) um you got the padres you got the giants who are currently in first place and playing really good baseball padres again Cardinals, Mets, and then you kind of, and then then you kind of have a little bit of a break with the Marlins and the Indians, and then you go right back into the Dodgers, and then another close divisional matchup with the Brewers. Um, so, hopefully, we're not going to be we're, we're going to be dropping another episode and probably a couple based. Yeah, it looks like we have two more based on our own release schedule. There'll be about two more episodes, maybe one, depending on when we record before that that dangerous stretch comes up heading into the <laughs> month of June, but. They really got to start getting the confidence going and, get, and getting the team and, and their own stats in a better position because if they're if they're hovering around that 500 mark and if they they're still showing these inconsistencies, we're in for a rough June. Um, and if you thought ticket sales were bad when it's cold, um, it's gonna be hard to sell those tickets when it's warm out if the Cubs are just not competing at all. Yeah, and uh, we've gone through that whole thing 
<laughs> for the last yeah. few times here. But uh, talking about the schedule, of course, we t- you know they're playing the Dodgers, play the Pirates, they play the Cardinals. We'll see them play each other for the first time coming up soon. The Nationals, uh, John Lester and Kyle Schwarber reunited with Cubs teammates should be cool. Um, I'm very excited to see San Diego at the end of the month. I don't know if you watched any of the games between the Padres and the Dodgers, Dylan, but that is oh, a fun, that was some of the best baseball I've seen. That's a fun, fun rivalry. And that I think is probably the, the best rivalry in baseball and almost maybe in sports right now. Um, just how competitive those games have been so far this year. Um, we haven't seen uh, too much out of the bears in the last few years when they go up against the Packers. So I can't really say that that's the best rivalry or, you know, even the, the any of the best uh, hockey rivalries haven't really been that much the same because of the uh, the changes to the seasons so far with the divisions and realignment and all that stuff. But um, that is a fun, fun team to watch, the Padres. And I, I love seeing Fernando Tatis Jr. just do his thing and um, just have to subtly remind White Sox fans that they had that in their system and they let him go for, uh, for Tim Anderson and they traded him for James Shields. So... Yikes. Um, <laughs> I had to drop it just once. But... Yeah, just once. Just once. But uh, anyways, that is a fun team. I, I would love to go see them at Wrigley this year. And uh, I think that just kind of wraps it up here for us on this episode. Yeah, not not a ton more to add. Or not actually anything more to add along those lines. Um, hopefully we, th- we see things pick up. I know we say that basically at the end of every episode now, but got to stay hopeful. Got to stay stay with it, and and hopefully they can turn it around, and we can start seeing some more fun baseball down the line. But yeah, as always, let us know what you guys think of where this team's going, um, who you think they should trade. And by the way, nobody like... said hi to me at the uh, at Wrigley. I was yeah, you're not. That's nobody disappointing. People lost out on the opportunity. Beer. Yeah, people lost out on the opportunity for free beer. So. What the hell? Come find him again. The offer still stands. I speak for Curtis and I, just well, say that. I don't thing. have any tickets yet, so uh, I'll well, let shoot. you know in the next game. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll figure it is. out. But the offer will still stand if you ever find Curtis at Wrigley. Yeah. Um. To do to do so accordingly with that. But feel free. Let us know what you think of the team. Comments are always welcome. Send it over to 108 Bricks Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, 108 Bricks Podcast. Same deal with Facebook. If you still use that. Um. Find me on Twitter at high underscore I'm underscore buck. I'm Curtis K radio. Cool. And that's going to do it for this episode of the 108 bricks podcast. I hope the next time we're here, we're going to be saying the Cubs are in first. See you next time. Guys.